Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Survive and Thrive, a podcast that brings you stories and perspectives on how in changing times, leaders and organizations can not only transform to survive, but also thrive. I'm your host, Jennifer Ayers. And today, I am lucky to have a co-host with me, Jeff Bone. Jeff Bone is my co-founder and partner at Consinity. I'm really excited that Jeff is here supporting me in this podcast interview, and I'd love for him to give a little intro about himself, then we'll introduce our guest speaker and deep dive into her background. Jeff, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? I know you've been on the podcast before, but I'd love for our listeners to hear a little bit about you today. Thanks, Jen, very much. Uh, yes, obviously, Jen and I co-founded Considity about three years ago, and I think what was unique about this was our backgrounds are very, very different in terms of how we were coming through our careers. I have a nice blend of coming from the corporate world as well as being an entrepreneur for many, many years, both successfully and not successfully. So I do do notice I just sort of have pain of the game. And obviously, a lot of the skill sets I bring is more strategic, tactical, and also uh, a lot of it is based on growth strategies and how to be able to align leadership teams within organizations. So it makes, a, as I said, a good blend between what Jen brings and myself. And, and the other part of it was, and I think it's important, Consinity is very important in terms of what we do as a company in terms of bringing disparate parts and elements together to create harmonious outcomes. Awesome. I couldn't have said it better myself. So thank you, Jeff. As you know, this is our third season. In this season, we really want to help our listeners learn how to positively influence the change they want to see in their organization, how to minimize disruption, and how to normalize the concept that change is constant and really unlock the magic, we like to say, in an organization. In our second season, we covered eight themes or tenets that drive meaningful, impactful, and sustainable change in an organization. If you want to check those out, Listen to Season 2, Episode 9 for a summary. So in this season, we want to explore with our guests and our audience what's imperative in helping organizations not just survive, but thrive and change. With that being said, I have Sasha Lund here today. She is the founder and CEO of Core Values Consulting. I'm thrilled to have someone with her talent and capabilities as she is, I like to say, a multicultural expert or enthusiast. When she gets into her background, she'll explain a little bit more about what that means. She's also an AI enthusiast and an early stage impact investor. She works with significant high net worth families, offices, and their businesses when considering succession planning, family governance, and some of the next generation challenges to secure a healthy organization for the future. So let's hear a little bit about Sasha, and we'll get into how we all met. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm following your podcast, and I must say, I am really in awe of the work, and it's very important. So I feel honored to be here. You kind of summarized me well, very well. I am indeed, I'm a, I re- like to refer to myself as a multicultural polyglot. I grew up in a very multicultural environment and uh, spent sort of my first half of my career in the film, media, entertainment industry, 
And eventually through event management, I pivoted and set up my company Core Values Consulting, where I am helping business families, specifically in the family challenges and how creating a healthy generational family that can positively impact the family business. Awesome. Before we go any further, I want to give a shout out to Sasha because she's also a podcaster. Yoo-hoo! This is part of the reason why I brought Sasha on here today. Some of the things she talks about on her podcast are very intriguing. And for our listeners, that podcast is called Legacy Talks. And it will be linked in the show notes so you can check it out and hear more about how different organizations, whether that's a family office or a Fortune 500 company or other institutes, can thrive in times of change. So, Jeff, why don't you share how we all met? I think it actually is very serendipitous. Uh, Sasha and I met probably over a year ago through just, uh, I happened to catch something that she had posted on LinkedIn and was intrigued by the comments she made. And then obviously I took a look at her background and what really stood out was obviously, I think in today's environment was her, as she mentioned, the ability to handle multiple languages on a scale that I hadn't seen before. So I was extremely impressed and, uh, was a little embarrassed since I speak English and slang. So it was kind of like something that really made it fascinating for me to reach out. And literally, I just connected with her and the communication started off very, you know, obviously when you meet with somebody, but it was, it was more of the ways in which we were sharing was very um, fluid and very natural and organic. I think that because of what we went through over this last year and a half, what really resonated with me with Sasha was that was just the the ability to be able to touch on a human level first. And we really did that before we even started to talk about our business and what we do for a living. And I think she and I shared a, a quote that I've given her many times ad nauseum, but I like to think that the meaning of life is to find your gift and the purpose of life is to give it away. And that's exactly what she's been doing, which is sort of what we've staked as consinity, Jen. So that was how we initially met. Love it. And then I had the pleasure of meeting Sasha through that relationship. And I can tell you listeners that I have been so impressed and so excited to make that connection. Part of the reason why I'm so grateful to have made this connection is because Sasha can beautifully articulate the importance of establishing values and a company mission. You can see it even in the name of her company, Core Values Consulting. So let's start there. Why the name, Sasha? I think it says it all. Working with business families in the succession planning, in their legacy challenges, I very quickly understood that it doesn't really matter where you are in your journey, what culture or country you are from. Although cultures are vastly different and you approach certain challenges in, a, in vastly different ways, in the end of the day, what really drives you and what makes you and your business thrive, if you are a family business, it is really staying true to your core values. You talk, Jen, you talk about, you know, vision, mission. It's something that every, every single company creates this massive statement on their websites usually, but very, very few actually lead by example and live these values. 
And for family businesses, that is, this is even more important. So that is why it was actually a very logical process for me to name my company Core Values Consulting, because it is, in the end of the day, really about understanding and living your core values. I appreciate Sasha's perspective now more than ever before, as we at Consinity are currently going through our own evaluation of our core values of a company. In the discussions we've had with ourselves and our clients, our values bring clarity and direction to those conversations. Having an established mission and value set has also supported the decisions we've made as a company in hard times such as the pandemic. When a crisis occurs and there's no one around to tell you what to do, you have to just live the answers. And you live those answers by realizing the values that the organization embodies. So with family offices, whether it's nonprofit or for-profit or something like a Fortune 500 company, Sasha tells us what work looks like and how she helps identify those values to create that culture that is healthy for the future. It's not easy. I'll start by that. Because be it a family office or be it um, a corporate structure, in the end of the day, us as humans, we are very uncomfortable with any sort of change. If you really think about it, I mean, you said it in the beginning, change is what makes us human. It's part of life. It's like water. It ebbs and flows. But if change is slowly implemented, we, we tend to accept it easier than when uh, it's suddenly, you know, someone bashes us with a hammer. Okay, this is the new structure. This is how you have to do things. This is where usually people put their hands up and get turned off, get scared. And the moment you have fear, it's very, very difficult to implement good positive change or any change for that matter. Now, with the families that I work, and you keep saying, and I have to kind of lovingly correct you, you say family wealth offices, and it's a very, very common term people use. I do not like that term because it puts wealth in the center of the conversation, and it really shouldn't be the case. Because for a business family to thrive, especially after and from the third generation onwards, you really need to focus on the family itself. Love it. Thank you for correcting me because that's important for our listeners to hear as well. Sasha, one of the things I know that you and I talked about, and it's, I think, very important in terms of sort of the synergies with the way that Jen and I wanted to uh, move Consinity forward was really looking at the quality life initiatives and social impact that I think is really evolving, especially today's environment. And I, maybe you can share with us a little bit of that, because we've talked about that as something that one of the things that you and I, right at the beginning, when we first started our relationship and talking about business was that some of our companies were working with giving marginalized work to women and working with giving opportunities in soccer in developing countries. And so the stake was very strong in that. And I know that that's one of the things that you and I talked about in terms of the different generations within these families, where some of them are looking at making an impact. And so maybe you can share with us a little bit on that. Yes, definitely. I told Jen, stay away from the term wealth in this case. But in the end of the day, a business is a business. So I, I would like to go back to, yes, I work with family businesses and you need to focus on the family. And that is usually, I mean, th that is difficult. We can look at any family, look at your own families. There might be sibling rivalry. There might be a tense relationship between father, son. So it is very, very important to understand who are the stakeholders 
and listen to every single family member, see what their connection is and what their relationship is within the family, and also figure out what is each individual's purpose. Often you will find, especially the next generation, the rising generation, as people like to call them, being a bit lost, not knowing. I'm 35 and I'm still figuring out my life. So, you know, having that pressure of you belong to a certain name, you belong to a certain family, you belong to a certain business, it adds on plenty of pressure. So it can be very, very tricky to figure out what you want. However, I find it very interesting to see that although not every single next genner want to join the family business or the empires, more and more people, more and more young people are very interested in that impact space that you mentioned, Jeff. And in the end of the day, yes, it's a business. So how do you measure impact? That is something I, I spoke uh, with, um, with one of my guests on, on my podcast on recently. There are so many different ways in measuring impact. And what I personally, and this is a personal opinion of mine, what, what I love is that I see that there are more and more next geners who have these investment portfolios and they want to, want to invest money and see a healthy return on investment on their balance sheet. So we're talking about wealth, money. However, they also want to do good and more and more are going away from, from this philanthropic mindset, because unfortunately we know that often just a few cents on the dollar actually reaches the cause. But if you can actually drive impact by investing in certain projects, investing in certain funds that you know change will come from, you feel, first of all, you feel good about yourself because you feel that you're actually contributing to a healthier environment for your children later and for yourself. And also, if you see that actually there is a healthy ROI, well, it's kind of a win-win situation, right? I'm doing good and I also get money for it. Sasha, one other thing you just struck with something that I think is very important here because I'm looking at it like as you mentioned in terms of Jen has mentioned organizations and different companies and then family offices. And one of the things that intrigues me a lot is because of your background and the company name of core values, it seems to me one of the things that you bring that's tremendous value to these is really built around that holistic circle around core values. Because if cross-generational, I mean, you and I, obviously, uh, being a male and a female, and I'm a little bit older than you are, it's, uh, you know, it's something where, but the, the things that we connect on are our values. And I think that's really important because forgetting about skill sets and interests and passions, it has to be, that has to be sort of that middle part that that kind of makes it all come together in terms of, you know, the, the, the families themselves across these many generations. Do you feel that that's something that you add to that maybe subtly when you talk to these different, you know, legacy or royal families? Definitely. And this is something that you, me and Jen also have been talking about plenty. I really think, and I, I'm happy to, to say that I see that in organizations more and more that the human resources part of it, people look less and less on CVs. Yes, of course, you have to have a certain basic skill set, right? But it is finally in my book, hallelujah, we're going to the point where people are more and more hired for their values, for their views, and whether 
those values and, and that pur- purpose of a certain person fits within the organization. And I actually think that that is something that is one of the secret ingredients to what Jen was asking. Going from surviving to thriving, you need to see the human. You need to see the heartbeats rather than the skill sets. You can teach someone to to code or to fill in an Excel spreadsheet, but you cannot teach values. It's something that you sort of are born with. Yes, you teach them at an early stage, but by the time people are grown up and go to, to work, those values have already been developed. And you, in the end of the day, you want to work with people who are pleasant to work with. Because if you work with people who fulfill you, you bring your best self to work every day. And then work becomes less kind of painful and more enjoyable. I love this notion of bringing people into the organization that are connected with your values. So if you are an organization that has gone through the process to identify your values, and you're actually living those values and the work that you're doing and the decisions you're making, then the talent you're attracting is likely to be aligned with those values. And I think that's a a really interesting conversation to explore as we consider the future of work and how organizations can really thrive with the talent that they do attract. One of Sasha's episodes on her show focuses on finding your purpose. Sometimes that can be challenging when growing up in an organization such as a family organization, when the company takes precedent. I want to explore with Sasha how an organization or leader can help nurture an individual's purpose while still maintaining the values of the company. That's a very good and very tricky question. (laughs) That's Um, why I asked you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll tell you what. The question is slightly wrong in the sense that in order to answer that... That's why I love bringing her on. She just loves to correct me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'll tell you what, though. In order to answer that, the person in question needs to have understood him or herself, right? The person needs to know what what is driving me, what, what is my purpose, what is my identity. And I said it myself. I'm 35. I don't, I don't shy away from saying my age. And I'm still on, on that journey. I think we all are on the journey. I have friends who are very quote unquote successful, however you want to define success, who are in the late sixties and they're still on the journey. I think that is a human journey. So what we can do as organizations is when we bring these people in, understand what journey they are on, what Ask them questions, the boring ones. Where do you see yourself in five years? And I don't want to hear, I want to be in your seat. I want to be a CEO. Where do you see yourself in life? What do you want to achieve? And based on that, see whether that fits within the organization and then think, okay, where do I as an organization want to be in five years? Does that align with the person I'm talking to? And how can we then, almost like a puzzle, help each other to find the puzzle pieces to bring both of us forward. Because in the end of the day, an organization is only as good as the people who work for it and support it. Sasha mentions it here again about the heart. And I couldn't agree more with her that I too believe that some of the best organizations today are missing unrealized revenues because they aren't considering the heart of business. And it's happening everywhere. 
it's hard to pinpoint it because, well, sometimes you might not even see it as a problem. On the surface, the business might be going well, returning shareholder value, meeting or exceeding earnings, but underneath all of that, there's something that is going on that is holding the organization back from realizing its real potential. Only recently, I think, have we begun to talk more about the heart of business, in part due to the pandemic forcing all of us to reflect on this. So why should we even talk about the heart of business? Without considering how to nurture the heart, employees disengage, it's human nature. If you aren't getting oxygen and blood to the heart, it stops beating. For those organizations that neglect this, the prognosis might not look so good. As we've said before on our podcast, only 36% of employees are engaged in the workplace, according to the most recent Gallup report. And this comes at a heavy price. Disengaged workers cost U.S. companies between $450 and $550 billion each year. Wow! So, when are we going to start paying attention? When the organization heart stops beating? Jeff also brought up some great points in this discussion. Sasha, one of the things you just said, which again, I I think is, if we're looking at this through our lens right now and organizations and companies like that, is really the the emphasis now on personal choice. That balance that you just mentioned between lifestyle and work. And I think, Jen, you and I had a conversation about this, which is now people are recognizing that if you're spending as much time to work, it makes so much more sense to have a personal relationship with your people to make the the team or whatever you're building stronger. And I think that's really, because I'm seeing that a lot right now where organizations, they're not there when they're dealing with the employees, it's not driven by salary anymore. It's driven by personal choice. They make build around their family unit. There are some of the things that are affecting their lifestyle. It could be taking care of an elder. It could be a child that has autism or some disability or like that. So those are the things I think, this is the one thing I think that's happened with the last year and a half is again, it has accelerated maybe that thinking and mindset that I think you and I know and the three of us resonates so very strongly with us. And also more importantly, one of the reasons why we're spending time with each other is because we actually enjoy each other and we know each other personally and we're connected in that way. I couldn't agree more. And I also think that it has been obviously very difficult one and a half years and also all of us. But if there is something positive coming out of this is the realization that nine to five is gone. You can work four days a week, eight hours a day, however you want to put it. As long as you deliver what is asked from you, you don't need to swipe in and swipe out of the office. Maybe you want to do it to have those conversations during coffee breaks because they stimulate you with other colleagues. Yes. But this forced old school, if you so uh, want, way of thinking is slowly disappearing. And, you know, something else that you mentioned, Jeff, I mean, I'm, I'm half Swedish. In Sweden, Sweden has always been very much ahead of the curve when it comes to HR. I mean, they have almost a year of maternity leave, paid, et cetera, et cetera, because they have realized the importance of nurturing the humans within your ecosystem. But I think what also has come out of this um, the last one and a half years is the realization that our differences actually make us stronger. 
that's what makes the best teams. I mean, if, if you mix certain religious, religions, if you have a blend of different genders, different cultures, I mean, think about it. Yes, of course, it's difficult for if, if you're stuck in your own way and you only work with the one culture team, you cannot think outside the box. And I hate the expression outside the box because everyone is using it. But it is true. The moment you have different cultures, different genders, the view changes because you just get so much extra out of people. And suddenly you have fresh ideas, which hopefully will also help grow your your organization, right? Uh, That's so true. And I think we have all talked about the, the elements of humanizing, personalizing, quote unquote, work, because we're spending an awful lot of time there, people. And, uh, there is a reason why there's a great resignation. Admittedly, maybe that's driven by some other factors, but certainly one of the factors is people feeling disconnected and wondering why are they spending the time that they're spending. So connecting their purpose to the purpose of the organization, having that sense of belonging, being valued, being cared for. Belonging was one of the top things that came out of the pandemic uh, survey findings in terms of what people felt that they needed most. I mean, it's no coincidence that we've seen, quote unquote, spikes in depression, or shall I say, the revelation of some of the dark side of depression that we might not have necessarily been seeing previously. And we need to find ways to empower people so that they feel that sense of purpose as well. I think that's another way that people feel that sense of purpose when they're empowered to realize the things that they think they can do well in an organization and that we're continuing to nurture their craft, help them do the things that they do well in an organization. So some of that ties back to a lot of what you know you were talking about, Jeff, and just creating that greater sense of personalization in an organization. And I think as we mature uh, in, in our post-pandemic environments, we're going to see more empathy and organizations and leaders thinking about this and trying to put some plans in place to create a better experience for quote-unquote humans. And I also think we're going to continue to see some technologies that will come onto the marketplace, like our friend Jess Begoni, who was on, and Luna, who are trying to help organizations at scale create that more intimate experience, individualized experience in their employment arrangement. So I think we're at an exciting time here, people. Yeah. I feel that too. Let's ride the positive wave. Circling back to core values and family offices, Sasha emphasizes the necessary steps in implementing this. Going back to what I previously said about how important it is in in big organizations, you cannot do it to the same level as in a family business. But when I work with a family, it is always very, very essential to me that I have conversations personal conversations with the main family members, both as in a group, but also especially on an individual level to understand what they want. I'm, I'm barely even talking about the business. I'm talking about what do you as an individual want to understand how that person is ticking, essentially. And I do think that that level of attention is very important. Sasha also shares examples of when a negative core belief impacted her own work and life. I was told maybe three times a week, you're replaceable, you're replaceable, you're replaceable. At one point, you go crazy. You go home, you feel, well, 
why do I even bother? Doesn't matter if I do the best work I can, the worst work I can, well, I'm replaceable. And the thing is, you then carry that back into your personal life and you start thinking negatively. And it's a very, very dangerous loop. That's why I I really believe that you need to empower your employees, the employers themselves. Everyone has to have that sense of empowerment for themselves in order to bring their best selves to the table. That's a great example, Sasha. I think part of that is our leaders, real leaders are actually, as we talked about, they are people that actually do empower and they become empaths because it's more basically, if you understand skill sets, experience and all that, which is terrific, but really what you're trying to do is inspire people to become their true selves, which is being authentic. And I think you mentioned that before. And I do think that I'm seeing that more and more when I'm talking to people, when they get back to you, they're talking about giving and recognizing individuals as individuals, as part of a team, because you're part of a team always. I mean, the most successful organizations is because they have teams that are very in sync with each other. And as you mentioned, very diverse. People don't realize, but the essence of synergy is to value differences, not likes. So that part of it, I think, drives organizations to realize that going back to your uh, point, Jen, about personal choice within organizations, I think that's the other part of it is that we're now allowing more voice there. And I think what you'll do is you'll find more productive and actually more engaged people working in your organization or families because they now feel that they can actually do what they want to do and go to their interests and passion. The three of us could talk for hours at this, as I truly believe that these are topics that every leader needs to be thinking about, discussing, and preparing for, whether you're a startup or an established entity. At the end of the day, there is a human being behind everything, even with all the advances in technology. Also, we have to keep in mind that the new workforce is the Generation Z, or how you like to say Generation Z, right? People born in the mid-90s later on, they kind of by now take it for granted. I mean, they expect that, you know, the gym membership is paid for or, you know, flexible working hours. It's becoming more and more normal and almost, it's it's almost extinct that, you know, well, I'm not going to work for someone who who makes me log log my hours. So there is actually from, from... from the workforce itself, from bottom up in a way, there is a change. So organizations have to adapt if they want to really get valuable and good employees, people who who don't see themselves only as employees, but to see themselves as part of something good. Love that. Totally agree. Thank you, both of you, for joining us today. And Sasha, a special thank you to you. It's wonderful to have this opportunity. I know that you are a very busy lady and in demand. Every time I'm seeing your LinkedIn post, you're being invited to speak somewhere. You're traveling around to help solve some big problems and you're making a huge impact in, in along the journey. So how might people get a hold of you if uh, they are intrigued and want to learn more? Well, the best thing would actually be LinkedIn, Sasha Lund, or um, my website, values-consulting.com. There is a contact page. Uh, Feel free to reach me and I will reply. And for our listeners, you can find those links in the show notes. Thank you everyone for listening and joining this week's episode of Survive and Thrive podcast. 
Remember, at Consinity, we empower the conscious leader to realize positive and sustainable change. Until next time, don't just survive, thrive. Take care.